0: This is the Ruck Infringement Podcast with Joey Alchin. Legends, welcome back to another episode of the Ruck Infringement Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joey, and this week's special guest interview is none other than Peter Ryan. Pete, how are you, mate?
1: Yeah, really good. Thanks, Joey. How are you?
0: Mate, I am great. It is a pleasure to have you on now. Let's get straight into it. For those that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about you and who you played for.
1: Oh, look, I grew up in the Lockyer Valley just outside of Brisbane. Um, I um, uh, played rugby league in the Ipswich competition and uh, as a junior and then um, uh, went to boarding school in Toowoomba at Downlands College and played rugby at that school. Um, I was picked up out of the, um, that team or that school from, uh, with the Brisbane Broncos in uh, 1988, um, for the 89 season. Um, and I started at the Broncos um, as a 17 year old um, with some of my heroes. Obviously, you had blokes like um, Brian Niebling, Greg Canescu, um, yeah. uh, Brett, Brett LeMann, Wally Lewis, obviously, Alf, and I was there, Chris Johns. Um, yeah, so just a, an array of wonderful players that were um, at the Broncos at that time.
0: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Now, tell us about your debut game for the Brisbane Broncos.
1: To be honest with you, I, I my memory's foggy on it. To be to be <laughs> honest, um, but um, that being said, um, I know I, there was a, a preseason game that I got to play in um, in New Zealand, and it was in Wellington. Uh, Wellington, I think it was Wellington or Auckland. There, there was uh, there was a couple over the, that period of time um, where uh, they um, had that pre-season competition and um, we played West in, um, I think it was in, in actually it might have been Auckland, to be honest. Anyway, regardless of that, we, I played against West and came off the bench um, as a back rower. Um, I don't remember who I replaced or anything like that. I just remember thinking... <laughs> how um, completely buggered I was after the first five minutes um, and, and thinking to myself, all right, I, I've got to make sure from that point forward that I had to make sure I had my fitness levels um, at the at the best degree that they could possibly be.
0: Yeah, yeah, beautiful, mate. Now, every NRL club or every sporting club in Australia and around the world has a a, a few larrikins within the club. Who was probably the funniest teammate that you played
1: alongside? Well, it'd have to be Alf. Um, look, at, <laughs> and, and look, there's an array of stories about Alf, um, but and there's several of that I'll tell you. Um, one's not quite PG, but it was. I'll oh, tell geez. you it anyway. Um, so Alf um, was telling me one day when he first started at the Broncos, and in, in like nineteen eighty seven 1987 um, for the 88 season, um, they put him on as a job, and the, his job was to collect cars from. Um, uh, from the the boat or the ships that they came in on and dropped them to dealerships. Yeah, and um, and he was telling me that uh, he, he he drove from like so the port of Brisbane into um, you know South Brisbane or something like that. And um, whatever the car was had uh, automatic windows, and he'd never really dealt with automatic windows before in his life. Right. It started to belt down raining, and <laughs> and and he, and he stuck his head out the window, and he was leaning on the. On the hand, uh, the armrest where the the buttons were for the for the window, and ended up jamming his head out the window um, while he was driving along with um, the pouring down rain, so he could see out the window because he didn't know how to turn the the uh, windscreen wipers on. So it goes to show where he came from and where he is now, I suppose.
0: Mate, only Alfie could do that.
1: Only Alfie. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, suppose, I suppose the other story is. um We'd be in, quite often on Monday afternoon, we'd go on uh, after first-grade games. We'd play indoor cricket as a, as a first-grade team Yeah. Um, and you know, mostly backs forwards. And then we'd go back to the clubhouse meet-up um, with Wayne and have our team meeting for um, a review of the game. And I remember one time, and this is the not-quite-PG sort of story, but um, I'm sitting there and, and Alf says to me, sitting next to me, what's the time? And I just gave him my arm and to say oh, here, look at it yourself so I didn't have to say anything in the meeting and he put my hand on, on his old father. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so and I've gone I've you know obviously I've yelled out and gone, oh Alf get out of it you know and, and Wayne's gone, Alf what are you doing? And, and <laughs> I said, he made me touch his wee Wayne and He's going, Alf, stop being an idiot, will you? <laughs> oh, That's a typical it. Alf story, though.
0: I love it, mate. I love it. I've heard many of them uh, with some of the players we've had on over over the years. But, uh, mate, that is awesome. Now, let's talk about that Brisbane Broncos team because it was pretty special. What was it like winning a comp with the Broncos and the prestige that that club had?
1: Well, the I suppose it, it was, a to be honest, absolutely amazing. Yeah. um and look and I was fortunate enough to be involved um although I didn't get on the field in 92 um I was I played 14 games in that year and then the following year in 93 I got a little bit of time at the end of the game um I was still only a young follower at the time um but got to play in 93 and then I, I played in 97 um and then I got suspended for 98 uh, Oops. <laughs> which I, yeah that hurts. Um, but then um, and then I, I was obviously involved in uh, as assistant coach in 2006 with Wayne um, yeah. when we won that year. Uh, so uh, the, the enormity of it in terms of um, the, the city of Brisbane is phenomenal because you can see um, as it starts to build throughout the year and then obviously as yes, you get into the finals, um, the the amount of people that start to turn up to training, the amount of people that are I, I, I would call them the old backslappers, you know, the blokes that they just you know they might not follow the Broncos all the time, but um, when they're winning, they're winning, and and obviously they want to be on board. Um, and I, I, the enormity of it was that um, it was just so exciting. Yeah. And and I suppose the biggest challenge for us was to maintain that excitement. Um, and, but also know that um, what we're doing is is leading into something special, and and once you recognise that um, special feeling within the group, and I suppose that comes back to why the team was winning was because of the camaraderie, the the quality of the players, obviously, but the camaraderie that was off field, on field, um, and you know we'd all, well, my view was, um, and, and I would say this openly that I would. Yeah, you know, I used to say, look, I'd, I'd, I'd die for the team. Yeah. And and look, you know, I, I, I think now I sort of think that's a little bit foolhardy, hearty, but, but back at the time at that age group, I was thinking to myself, well, I absolutely would have. And, um, you know, and that, that was how much passion it was in it for us, or I know for myself, how much passion it was in, in it for me to, to, to progress and then obviously, you know, being in a, um, a team that wins a grand final, let alone... Um, four teams, and then obviously one as a coach.
0: Yeah, mate, it's it's pretty special. Now, I didn't have this question in, but I just want to ask about Wayne Bennett. What was it like having Wayne Bennett, who is arguably the best coach still to this day in the NRL, what was it like having him as a coach?
1: I suppose you, you relate it back to um, a family member. And, and yeah. I, I would have said he was a surrogate father for me because I turned up as a 17-year-old yeah, and, and grew up under his tutelage, and then you know to, um, uh, look. Wayne has his faults, and as everyone does, but it's not hard to see past those faults to recognise of the quality of the person that he is. But then also how he gets you in a mindset to say he might come up to you before a game, like say two days before a game, and say, "Hey, look, I want you to just think about this." For the next couple of days, and then and you might come back to him with, right. well, this is what I've come up with, with what you've given me, and this is the way I'm going to approach it. And so he gives little special, um, you know, I suppose uh, jobs, but uh, the idea behind it was that it created the atmosphere of that you were involved in the bigger picture. And to be involved in the bigger picture as a player, um, it, it gives you ownership. And then that ownership itself um, is what creates um, a winning team and a winning culture. Um, And I suppose that's what teams chase every year is that winning culture. And um, for for one reason or or not, a lot of teams don't get that um, and they don't understand it because I think, think, and I suppose this is probably the key component of it, is that we recognised it or whether we didn't recognise it or not. We we pulled together um, through the adversity, um, whether it be hard work on the field or whether it be a, a, like an a army camp sort of trainings that we used to do, um, and that would then gel through the team throughout the rest of the – well, mm-hmm. the, the majority of the squad, really. Um, and, look, you know, you had – I think it was 28 or 30-man squads back in those days. Um, so – the entire group of people were all on board and on the same page. And I said, oh, I suppose that's what Wayne's ability is to create that atmosphere um, for, for young men to strive in and then take ownership of, um, which then obviously creates um, that winning culture. And then, and then that, that in itself, it turns it into um, winning competitions, mate. Yeah, mate. He's
0: uh he's one of the best. He's a, uh, he- There'll never be anyone like Wayne. Now, you're a dual co player. So let's talk a bit about the union side as well. Now, you obviously you started in rugby league with the Bronx and then you went uh and joined the Brumbies, I believe, if I'm correct. What right. was was it hard to adapt leaving league to go to union?
1: Absolutely. Look, I played Australian schoolboys out of um, rugby union. So yeah. I went to, to boarding school and two years in Toowoomba and Um, And, like, we were fortunate – I've been fortunate throughout my whole career of um, being in teams with some amazing players. So, we had um, Tim Horan um, as our uh, starting number 10 um, for our school team. And then we also had Garrick Morgan, who was an amazing – he was a world-renowned second rower. And then Brett Johnson was a halfback. And we had a cast of other guys that I believe deserved greater honours – um, Jason, bloke by my name, is Jason Carswell. Um, uh, oh, my, my mind is uh, memory escapes me right now, but there was a cast of players in there that could have gone on and played for, um, you know, not maybe not representative teams, but but definitely high quality first grade teams in Brisbane or Sydney. Um, that I thought were, um, you know, integral um, in that period of time. So, uh, so changing across, I, I was fortunate enough that. Um, Eddie Jones was the head coach.
0: Okay,
1: great. Uh, yeah. uh, Eddie is a, an excellent bloke. Um, and look, so the story behind it was uh, a friend of mine, uh, Brett Robinson, who is, uh, I think he's now the um, CEO of uh, NRMA, I believe. I'm not 100% yeah. sure. Anyway, um, that besides the point, um, he was the Australian captain uh, captain at the time um of the wallabies and uh, he went to downlands uh with my brother two years before me and so i ran into him so he was doing wallabies training um and the the joint connection there was steve nance who was the, the wallabies conditioning coach and he was also the broncos i think he might have been the second the second or third um broncos um, strengthening and conditioning coach and so his um so the connection was we we met up at training session one day um, out at a gym where where Steve used to train the Wallabies guys in their off season or pre season or whatever it was, and um, he said to me, "Look, if you ever think about coming over, just give me a call." Yeah, wow. and and I'd been at the Broncos 11 years, and um, uh, and I and I, and I suppose without saying that I was uh, not wanting to be there, which I I always wanted to be there, because uh, I'm a life member nowadays and. Uh, yeah. yeah, all that sort of stuff. but um, I um, he, so I gave him a call and he put me in touch with uh, Mark Cidbury, who was the Brumby CEO. And then next thing I'm talking to Eddie Jones and, and arranging a, a meeting for him to come to Brisbane to meet me. and um, and the funny thing about that meeting was uh, so Eddie turns up at my house um, with my wife, uh, my lovely wife and kids. And um, my wife's made this big spread of, of seafood. You know, Queensland being Queensland seafood, yeah. you know, all this beautiful, amazing food. Eddie yeah, came good. in about. He was about. He was there for about half an hour. Had a couple of bites of, of food and then disappeared out the door. Um, and and I was like, what the hell just happened to my wife? <laughs> and and, I, and she said, I think it went pretty well. And so anyway, so next thing, obviously, the inevitable happens and. I turned up at the Brumbies, and um, you know I was fortunate enough to uh, be a part of uh, three grand final representations with the Brumbies, and obviously we won one down there in, in two thousand and one as well.
0: Yeah, mate, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing to see uh, to see some players who adapt really well to uh, the dual code. We've seen it a, a fair bit, but jumping back into rugby league, mate, let's talk about state of origin. Now, tell us about origin, and I know in the the late 80s, early 90s, it was a completely different game. It was very tough. So, tell us all
1: about it. Look, um, State of Origin for me, um, I, I always like I, I was always uh, the, it was an anticipation of like even when I was a kid, yeah, I was in anticipation of the speed of the game, the, the cruel hits, the, the domination of you know, individuals or, or or the you know, certain parts of the game where where teams – and, and it was exciting for me. So um, for me to have actually put on a State of Origin jer- jersey um, on the couple of occasions that I did, um, the atmosphere at the grounds – So, and, and so for mine – so I played um, in 97 and then 98. Yeah. So 97 was Super League year, right? Yeah. So, um, So it was a tri-series. So we had New Zealand, New South Wales, and Queensland involved um and and obviously um we i, I think we no oh, no new south wales ended up winning it with a null goal for um drop goal. um mm-hmm. he was playing for new south wales as a half i think i think that was what it was anyway um uh, but the atmosphere around it that, that that's what creates um yeah. what the state of origin is today and um, i suppose you know, so ninety ninety eight comes around and, um, I play, I'd been out for like five or six weeks. Um, I, I didn't even get a phone call from Wayne to say, Oh, you, you know, you're in the team. I, I I read about it or I got a, a reporter called me and say, um, so how do you feel about being in the state of origin team? And I was like, Oh shit. I didn't even know I was in the state of origin team. <laughs> um, cause I'd been out sort of four or five weeks before it, um, through yeah. injury. And then, um, they picked me um basically um off the form that I had before that mm. um you know so and I was fortunate enough to I played played okay I played a d- decent game I was very happy with my game um and um it was the state of origin in Sydney where I think it was um I think it was the one where Tony Carroll scores that wonderful try mm. um is he playing center uh, yeah he is playing yeah, yeah he's playing Center uh, so he scores that wonderful try at the end of the game off Kevin yeah. Pass and I, and I was like so I'm a part of this uh, regardless of, I came off injured unfortunately I, I popped a couple of ribs um, and so you know um, yeah, my memory of it is like pain as well as um, joy um, so and that, that's always a, a funny thing with, with rugby league or r- any sport is that there's always pain to be had but there's always some joy at the end of the table you know what I
0: mean yeah absolutely
1: yeah so look, I suppose the biggest thing with state of origin and what it means to the players is um is is it's more than I said I suppose it's 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 not more than a the grand final because it's not but it's on the same level but
0: yeah
1: has this connection to I suppose your heart strings family members Queensland you know um all that is encompassed in it, and I think yep. um, I suppose that's why it makes it the, the enormity of what it is. And tell us about the hatred. Is the hatred real? Do do Queenslanders
0: and New South Welshmen are they are they coached that way? Are they coached to you know you you just you hate the other state during that period?
1: I I don't think it's ever been uh, well. I don't think from my point of view, I don't think it's it's never been portrayed to me as hate. Let's hate them. Yeah. Um, but there was guys in the other team who I cared very little for. So yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So if there was an opportunity to stick it to someone that's it, get in like if they if they turn turned their back and they were being held by two players, I'd go in and stick it <laughs> up their ribs and, and if they happen to be peeing blood for a week, well that's their problem, you know. That's around. footy. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love it, mate. I love it. Mate, let's jump into our next question. Now, did you have a footy nickname?
1: I was always known Rhino, like, yep, so nice. um, it's always been Rhino, and um, that's only only nickname I ever had there. Um, yeah, as a as a as a rugby league player, that's for sure, and rugby union for that matter. When you
0: were a young guy and you were watching the game and coming through the grades, did you have a footy idol?
1: I probably never had one footy idol. Um, I used to. Um, where I grew up, I used to think um, like obviously Mal Meninga was a wonderful player for oh, South yeah. Brisbane. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember Les Kiss playing for Western Brisbane um, back in the eighties. Um, I really like John Rebo. I, I suppose I'm I'm mostly naming backs here and outside backs at that, but um, <laughs> I suppose one of my my favourites and and he's probably not the rugby league's most favourite guys named by black by the name of Les Boyd. Oh yes. Um, So, Les Boyd was uncompromising, um, a bit of a tough nut. And, you know, I really love to watch um, Ray Price. I just thought he, like, epitomized, you know, um, toughness and hard attitude individuals. I mean, there's a cast of others as well that I would have said, you know, maybe Billy Johnston. Um, He used to play for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, tough as nails as well, and ended up being a strength and conditioning coach for the state of origin team that I ended up playing. in um, and, and obviously got to know him quite well and, and just an absolute true gentleman and a lovely bloke. But, you know, I wouldn't take him on in the back street. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but, definitely. Uh, so those sort of guys, uh, I suppose, epitomised um, what I sort of perceived as being, um, you know, good quality, but not in good quality, uh, well, most of them, uh, uh, without knowing all of them, are uh, good quality blokes as well as you know rock solid, uh, decent footballers that you know always are tough.
0: Yeah, mate. Yeah, I, that's that's how I've always looked at it too. My favourite players were the ones that were tough and the ones that were gritty and and would get the job done. So you're exactly right there, mate. How was retirement from footy for you? And did you go straight into uh, the media or into footy itself?
1: Yeah, look, I I, um, I finished playing rugby in Japan. I've had two years over there. Um, in the middle of my last year, I got a phone call from um, a guy by the name of Paul Bunn. I don't know if you know him. Paul Bunn is the recruitment boss for the Melbourne Storm. Okay. Um, he used to be the recruitment boss for the Broncos for a while as well. Uh, and he was our team manager for a while as well. Um, he was a really good guy. Anyway, so he, um, he proposed a question to me about coming to the Broncos um, as a um, uh, assistant coach doing defense um, for the 2000 and, or end of 2005 going into 2006 season
0: yeah
1: um and uh so i'm um, immediately i had um well so i'd come back out of um japan my wife and i we bought a an iga s- small supermarket down the gold coast yeah and um And we didn't like it very much for (laughs) after the first three or four months, and then it got eight months. So we ended up selling it after ten months, um, which we were fortunate enough to get out of it because we did not like the lifestyle of it. But but um, as a sidebar to that, you know, um, I was it started at the Broncos and was um, full time uh, basically uh, as an assistant coach to Wayne in two thousand and five to six. Uh, for the 2006 premiership. And, uh, yeah, so that was my transition. I basically went from that to a store owner to um, a first-grade assistant coach um, straight out of uh, Rugby Union. And I suppose it worked quite well because of the fact that I, I was had been away from Rugby League for uh, maybe five or six years by that stage. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um,
1: and so, uh, you know, and I suppose that's where Wayne sort of thought, Oh well, I, I didn't I, I knew the players that were there like so we had still had Brad Thorne Shane Webke, Petra yeah, Simon um Darren Lockyer um uh, Sean Berrigan um Tony Carroll so we had a cast of really good players um and they just weren't performing um, in 2004 five or five I should say um uh, as well as they probably could have anyway so um it was fortunate enough that I got back there at the right time and my transition into it was basically, well, I'll tell you, my first meeting with Wayne Bennett, and um, well, sorry, it was a coach's meeting. Um, so we, we we had our first coaches meeting, and um, Wayne said to me, what are you going to do with Darren Lockyer? And I said, I said, um, I said I'm said i going to play him at fullback. And, and he said, he said, uh, he said, oh, well, he said, well, you're a defence coach. I'll pick the team. And and I said, yeah, well, I said, well, if he doesn't tackle like I want him to tackle, he'll be playing at fullback. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, fair enough then. So obviously Lockie didn't end up playing fullback for yeah, yeah. that year. He was playing five eight. Um and obviously he's one of the greatest five-eight since the game's ever seen. Um uh yeah, so and, and to Lockie's credit on that note, um, Lockie, well, I put the team on a rotation of tackle technique stuff. Um, every day in the pre-season training. And um, so they they would come to the clubhouse out of hours, so like 6 a.m. in the morning. They'd do a half-an-hour session, 45-minute session with me in the sandpit or whatever it was, and then they'd get into their full day um, at work, basically. Um, And so to Lockie's credit, um, he was diligent. um, And obviously, um, we saw that year in that state of origin, he tipped Willie Mason and dropped him on his ass. Yeah.
0: Yeah, mate, he was uh, he was one of a kind. Mate, that, that's an awesome little insight there. Uh, let's jump into, obviously, you said you were a life member of the Bronx, so you still love your Broncos. Can you give us an early prediction for this year? Can the Broncos go all the way again, you
1: reckon? Oh, look, I think, I mean, they've, they've lost a couple of guys there in Herbie Farnworth and obviously um, Tom Flegler.
0: Yeah, um, April as well.
1: Yeah and obviously Well, I think Capewell was probably one of the biggest losses. Huge. I think he was a bit of the um the backbone of the group. Yeah. Um and now I know that um Adam Reynolds is is obviously uh, a a wonderful player but mm. you know for him to take the whole charge of the whole thing maybe just maybe a bit too much for him or but I don't know that. Like so
0: yeah.
1: I'm sure Kevy um would be the perfect man to talk to about that but um I think they could definitely win it this year um, with some of the players that they have purchased. Uh, I don't know that they're, they're talking about getting David Pangai Junior back. I, I don't know that that's a good idea. Um, I think he left not on the best of terms because of the way his attitude was, um, and it was all about me and him. or sorry, him. Yeah. Um, and so you know. Is he going to come back for the right reasons? Well, if he does, well, that's great. And and I wish him all the best because he's he's an absolute powerhouse when he's switched on. Um, but there's, there's too many times where I saw him, the emotion, get too much of his game. And the next thing is he's getting given away four or five penalties in the game. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, look, I, I know I was guilty of that at some stages <laughs> of my career. So I, I shouldn't throw stones, but I just hope he's coming back for the right reasons. But yeah, so... To, to answer your question, um, I, I absolutely think the Broncos can be a force. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I would honestly love to see the Tigers do well this year. Oh
0: yeah, um, it
1: would be nice. I've never really followed the Tigers. Um, well, since Blocker and and uh, Ciro oh, sure. and you know those sort of guys were, were playing, but uh, I just think I'd love to see them off the bottom of the table uh, yeah. and and do well. Um, whether Whether they get into the top eight or not, that doesn't matter. I just think, I hope they're just not uh, bottom dwellers like they have been. And and maybe a little bit for St. George as well, with um, Flanagan taking over as head coach. And Mm. I I would like to see them do a little bit better this year. But I suppose my other smokies are um, the Canberra Raiders. I always loved the Canberra Raiders, maybe because of the Queensland content back in the day. But. a good mate of mine's uh, uh the assistant coach, Mick Crawley. And then obviously, I, I know Sticky as well, and he's a lovely follower as well. So I, I'd like to see them do well as well. But look, look if it gets to the, the finals and the Broncos are there and those other teams aren't, well, look, I'll be pretty happy.
0: Be happy, mate. I tell you now,
1: it's the year of the chook. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not a rooster, it's a chook.
0: that's it (laughs) anyway we just want to thank you that's all we've got time for on this episode pete we want to thank you for jumping on just before everyone goes don't forget to check out leaguewits.com and get your nice corduroy rugby league hats every team available at the moment there are some sold out but jump on there have a look use the code ruck10 for 10 percent off also check out gibson's country style jerky.com.au for all the greatest jerky teriyaki flavor honey soy garlic uh, barbecue bourbon jerky as well. Really nice. Use the code podcast. You get 10% off your jerky there at Gibson's Country Style Jerky. I didn't even know. I didn't know you had this, mate. You
1: need to get me some of that jerky.
0: Oh, mate. Yeah, you got to try it out. It's great. I'll send you I'll send you a pack. It's really nice. Awesome, man. <laughs> you give me your address. And also, Clean Cup Family Meats. If you live in the Penriff area, check out Clean Cup Family Meats. Best butcher going around. They'll give you some quality meat. If you mention the podcast, they'll also give you 10% off your meat as well. All right, we just want to thanks Pete again. That's Pete. I'm Joey. Be good.
1: Thanks very much, mate.